and welcome back to the FEZ Show. My name is Jack Jordan Maynard and we have a lot to get through today as we should have already started the season by now but we haven't due to the pandemic which would puts a question mark on the whole season and where we're going to be racing in season 7. Formerly are set to announce where we'll be racing over the next couple of days so we'll be talking about that very very soon. Also, we have news of McLaren potentially joining the series in Season 9 for the Gen 3 era. We'll go into all the details about where they could be racing, will they have their own team, will they have to partner with a customer, all of that to talk about. Plus, Formula E have launched a new eSports series with Formula E Electric, so we'll be talking all about that towards the end of the show. But joining me, as always, is the one and only Edward Hunter and Mr. Jack Pickering. Morning, boys. Good morning. Happy New Year, Jack. Happy New Year to everybody. Happy New Year, Ed. Morning. Yeah, I'm excited about this Formula e Electric series. It's another new esports series that I haven't heard about that you've clearly, uh, <laughs> clearly haven't misspoken at all. So. <laughs> I don't know what I said. I'm pretty sure I said Formula e Accelerate. But yeah, it's just a new, new, new esports series, which, um, you know, we'll see what happens with that. But boys, what I want to talk to you about, and I know Pico, you've been working a lot on this lately, is the calendar. We should, we should right now have been doing a preview a review sorry of Santiago looking at back at the first double header you know answering those questions that we had from testing but it hasn't happened you know we still got another month to wait till you know February when we go to Saudi Arabia for the start of the season so we know we're racing in Saudi Arabia but we have no idea where we're racing from now till the end of the season really past Saudi Arabia so where do you think we could be racing when Formula E announced it at the end of the month you know, what are you expecting to be on that calendar? Well, yeah, uh, well, yeah, we should have done about probably five FEZ shows from 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 the start of the year to now because of because we would have had the, the first double head of the season in Santiago. That hasn't been the case. We've had to wait for another month. Um, however, we should be going racing at the end of February. Fingers crossed in in Deria. Uh, Formula E are enforcing that. And yeah, I think I think it will happen because Saudi Arabia they will throw as much money at it as possible to like make sure that the race does uh, happen at the at the end of February. However, yeah, as as you've said, I've been working a lot about this behind behind the scenes. I've been trying to like look at alternatives because the thing is one thing that's one thing that's happening is we can't really go during this pandemic to all these major cities in the world because. Uh, because of because of because of the pandemic, and so what I've been looking at is, is I've been looking at other circuits that could possibly fill the gap that could be made by losing all, all these races. There should be the full article out later this week on um, on Formula Uh However, uh, however, I've gone for uh, I've gone for one set, set in Europe just to like keep it closer to home for all the Formula E teams, most of which are based here in the UK, and a few uh, a few not surprising ones at all, that, uh, and also a few surprising ones. Uh, I'll, I'll let you in on a little secret. Valencia and Donington Park are on the list, uh, to the surprise of literally zero people. Well, what I want to think, Ed, is obviously, Jack's right. You know, it's very unlikely if we're looking at F1 with their street circuits, thinking that Monaco could could go, Montreal could go because they're street circuits. So the chances of us actually racing on street circuits in Rome, Paris, even London um, with the XL Center, even though it's like a inbuilt purpose track with no streets actually being used whatsoever. But 
you know, going to these major cities, upholding what where they've put, you know, COVID vaccine centers and, and, and stuff like that. It just doesn't seem viable. And for Marie's task over the last couple of months must have been incredibly difficult and coming up with places and alternatives and, you know, I, I don't know where Berlin is at the moment, but what was if the Tempelhof Airport is used for a vaccine place? That could rule out Tempelhof altogether because it's a big place, a big place where, to, you know, they, you know, the German government could decide that this is where we can set up our vaccine area and Berlin could be ruled out. Yeah, well, there was an incident a few years ago where during the, I think it was the refugee crisis, where they were housing a lot of refugees at Tempelhof and so formally had to move to a different location in Berlin to host a race in the middle of um, Karl Marx Alley in the city centre, which of course wouldn't would still be out of bounds even if uh, people hadn't voted against the race there. But anyway, uh, I think like what you say, Pico has a very good point that it's just not really a viable option necessarily to race in, in city centre. Obviously, it's going to differ country to country uh, to some extent, but we also have the issue with, um, we saw it very recently with Santiago travel bans. Uh, there was a new variant of COVID-19 UK, Santiago instituted a travel ban on uh, all passengers and air flight uh, coming in from the UK, which obviously is a big problem for all the UK-based Formula E teams. So, so yeah, it's really going to be quite tricky for Formula E logistically to find a way forward so they can actually hold the season. Uh, we know that holding six races in Berlin is not really a preferred option. They don't want to do that again if they don't have to. But like Pico says, uh, basically the Saudi Arabia, the um, local authority there that runs all the sporting events, uh, have basically committed to hosting the um, this season opening doubleheader. So, um, and the other option, as, as I think Pico was also alluding to, is that the, the where they held preseason testing at Valencia Circuit Ricardo Tormo. They basically have got that as their sort of plan B option to go back to. Uh, well, that's one of the ones we do know about for sure that's in their contingency. For me, though, it's like what tracks, Jack, can they actually go to? Because if you think about Nürburgring, Silverstone, Catalonia, they're all massive tracks, not really many areas for regeneration, which, you know, these Formula E cars need. And obviously, Formula E, they test at places like Calfat, and they test at places, um, I can't remember, there's there's a track in England that's just gone out, like Cadwell Park would probably be a good shout for place where they test, and there's another track which has gone out of my brain, I should have written it down, but I've forgotten it. Um, it has green and, 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 it has green and white curbs, but anyway, that's all I can remember from that track at this precise moment. Uh, but they test around that track as well. You know, Formula E needs specific tracks to actually go and race on and, and, and circuits that lend itself to be sort of helpful for a Formula E car. Because if you go to Silverstone, for example, if you go to Catalonia, Spa, Monza, I know Formula E wouldn't go to those places, but let's just put it in a hypothetical um, for, for right now. You know, they need to find a circuit that could actually suit uh, Formula E cars. Well, yeah, one thing that well, one thing that I have been looking at as well is what one of my first things that I did was looked at what FIA grade Formula E circuits have to be. Now they have to be grade three or higher, so there is a much bigger pool than than what Formula One have to have to adhere to. So we so we can go to di to different circuits that we, we we don't necessarily have to go to Nürburgring. I did consider Nürburgring, but that wasn't the German circuit I, I actually went for uh in the end. But but yeah there are there are there there are there there's a much wider field of 
being able to like what uh, what races, what countries, and which circuits they they can race on, and yeah, I think I think Formula E do have this. They they. They, they they have this opportunity now. It's season, season seven. We're becoming a world championship this year. I reckon in the year they're becoming a world championship, we've had some criticism in the past from fans saying that we race on these Mickey Mouse style tracks. So why don't we give it a go? The pandemic has given this uh, us this opportunity. Go for go for. Uh, go for more traditional circuits for this season see how it goes gain a couple fans so if we do switch back to street circuits next season they might tag along for the ride ed do you think that you know the tracks that we could go for because there's obviously there's loads of tracks that we could potentially go for that are not grade one listed which would be formula one like standard you know i'm thinking there's tracks in finland there's tracks in sweden there's tracks you know scattered around europe you know the bucharest ring for example in romania um you know there's 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 places around europe for example which you know could hold a race and could be more formula friendly in terms of actual racing and actually rather than going to these well-known circuits and modifying these well-known circuits to make them more formula friendly actually find a track actually find a real traditional circuit there's actually could help Formula E grow and actually if we have this conversation of should Formula E be a mix of traditional and actual racing circuits and you know we can expose that you know what there are actual racing circuits which give you a lot of braking a lot of change of direction a lot of undulations and changes like that yeah I guess the whole traditional versus street circuits debate is one we've been having even before it predates the pandemic actually that we in Formula E have been as, as fans I guess have been uh, having that kind of conversation and there are a lot of people especially casual fans who really did like pigo saying dislike sort of mickey mouse kind of layouts yeah i I've, I've seen a couple of races at some of those layouts you were talking about jack and um for like gt cars for instance uh at bucharest uh and romania uh but uh yeah I, I i think there's um there's an argument going for like especially smaller tracks uh that maybe don't necessarily have the facilities like um uh, Tracks, but there was a track in Finland, I think, that you guys were alluding to, which I don't think is hosted. Um, I think it's hosted motorbike races, but not necessarily uh, motor, not many kind of um, open wheel uh, car races, uh, to my knowledge. But um, but yeah, I, I I'm not really sure quite where I stand on the, on the um, traditional versus street circuit kind of debate. I I think the cars are kind of designed for street circuits designed to absorb sort of bumps so if you can get some of those in there that'd be nice but uh i i think in a such a bizarre situation the cars can sort of i guess run on traditional kind of billiard smooth sort of track surfaces that we find on some of these uh even the sort of lower grade uh circuits so i i i think there could be sort of a compromise reach where you sort of end up having to put in some kind of weird uh valencia testing style chicanes that are ridiculously narrow and it's made up of like tire barriers uh just to make sure there's somewhere for the cars to regen on energy so they can actually make it to the end or in a timely manner but yeah it'd be uh yeah i'd be interested to see what they do i'm not sure if i've got a considered answer beyond that like yeah, but, you know, I did. I was just thinking of the tracks in Finland and the names have come to my mind. So you've got the Kaimi Ring, which I think is hosting a MotoGP race. Uh, well, we're supposed to host a MotoGP race last year. I don't know if they did or not. Um, and then you've got the, the, you know, 
please forgive my pronunciation. Um, the Av Avienstio uh, race circuit, which is also in Finland. Like I've I've seen those tracks before, and I know they could produce and 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 especially the the last one I said was it's got a lot of high speed corners, a lot of braking zones. So I I think it'd be quite cool to go to places that are traditional racing circuits but maybe haven't caught the public eye but i think it'll be really interesting to see what formula re do do they actually stick to this you know street racing you know they they say no no we will go to paris we will go to rome it's just we're not going to put a date on it and we're going to you know delay the season because let's face it we can delay the season i jack i don't think there is no reason for us to not delay the season and push it back and say no we don't have to finish in august we really don't have to finish in August. There's no reason for us to finish in August. We can finish in October. We can finish in November because we can start. And we remember we can, you know, we can fit in a pre-season testing at any time. And we might alter, you know, the calendar slightly and how we go racing. But because we're, this is a whole 2021 season, you know, we don't really need to start next season at the end of 2021. You know, we can start next season in 2022 in January for example or the end of January beginning of February and maybe do testing late December or you know early January to make up for the you know and go a bit longer so you could say no we are going to go and race in Rome and Paris and wherever uh Korea and so forth but we're just going to hold the plug we've done our first race in February there might not be another race till August but we're just going to hold the plug wait and see and then rearrange a calendar when we actually can well yeah that's what um that's what MotoGP did um uh last year well MotoGP couldn't actually get to Qatar but uh they still had the Moto2 and the Moto3 racers who were who were out testing at the time and so uh and so those two races went ahead and then they pressed pause and then they restarted the season at Jerez in um in uh in uh, July but um but yeah I think yeah yeah, with this opportunity, Formula E can just can just hit the pause button. They can they can, they don't have they they don't need to have a time frame. They could even just convert it to the twenty twenty one season and the twenty twenty two season and so on and so forth. Um, but for uh, Formula E uh, have have always wanted to run during the off season to get like more 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 focus on uh, on the series, so it doesn't run parallel with with F1 and um, with IndyCar and that kind of stuff. So it will go back at some point, but in the middle of the, in the middle of this pandemic, I think it makes perfect sense to, um, to just, so just stop and, and then just like figure it out after we could return to street circuits. I think I, I, I do feel like we do have to have a season this year. And if it's, and if it's still ongoing when it gets to June or July, then, yeah, I think they do have to properly consider just ha ha having a go on traditional circuits if they still want to continue with that ethos of st staying on the uh, staying on city streets. Yeah, that's what I wanted to bring up. Ed. That's exactly what I wanted to bring up. Is does this change Formula E's ethos? Formula E's ethos is let's race on street circuits. We bring the people. The people come to the race track and in like the people. We bring the racing to the city. That's what I want to say. You know, we don't. The people don't come to the racetrack. That's always been Formula E's philosophy. And if you start, you know, going to these tracks which are not in city centres, which the people have to trek to get to or spend a couple of hours to find the place, um, you know, to get to from the city centres where most people live, you know, it goes against Formula E's philosophy. 
So do you think if we were to have a season which is mixed, some street races, some traditional races, do you think Formula E will go, right, season eight, back to all street circuits? Or do, do you think Formula E could go, you know what, it wasn't that bad? We don't know. We don't know how bad it will be yet. But let's just say, let's be positive. Let's just say it all runs swimmingly and smoothly. We go to about three or four real tracks and it was all okay. Nothing really major badly happened and everything's fine. Do Formula E go, you know what? We can open ourselves up to go to some traditional tracks. Or do Formula E go, right, we did it, but that's not us. So we go back to racing on the streets. I think it's case by case basis, isn't it? Um, like you see something like Autodromo Hermanos Rodriguez in Mexico City. Which of course, obviously, it's in the park in in Mexico Central. It's sort of near the city centre of Mexico City, but there's a kind of, it's sort of a, a more of a traditional circuit. Of course, it's a different layout to the one that F1 use, but still, it's probably the most traditional circuit that we have. And I think it's one of the better one of the better races certainly that we have on the calendar. So I I, I definitely see see it, it's going to differ case by case if if they go down that approach. And the other thing you were talking about there with the it's very important I think is uh, whether the fans are going to be there which is sort of obviously a moot point if we've got a virus going around and it's not safe to have fans at the circuit but um, but I think for Formula E it's very difficult for them we saw in Berlin they were really struggling uh, in terms of they had obviously it was a behind closed doors event but they had a uh, a sort of event in in I think it was in central Berlin that BMW were hosting which basically where they would have people sort of watching the race uh, on a big TV screen uh, several miles outside the circuit. So it'd be interesting to see if uh, if they can, if Formula can sort of replicate that kind of approach and get keep the fans involved, even though if they can't actually be there in person via uh, some weird sort of sponsor activation kind of thing. Because I think that could be quite difficult because I wasn't sure if that thing that BMW did in Berlin was that big a success. I don't think many people went to it because it was sort of set up a bit kind of last minute. The people that did go, I think, said that they enjoyed a good time. So I, th- I think we'll have to see juries kind of out on that one. But yeah, uh, it's 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 going to be not just a case of whether the fans can be there or not, depending on the virus situation. We know Saudi, I think, uh, I think Saudi said that they're inviting, they're having fans at the circuit because that was a big thing for them in terms of um, the how they wanted to do it. So it'll be... I do hope it's going to be safe there, above all, in my opinion. Yeah, so I want to move on now because we have news of potentially McLaren joining the series in Season 9 for Gen 3. Now, a lot of up in the air at the moment because obviously it's an option, so it may not happen. This may not happen. There is a potential that McLaren do not join Formula E in Season 9. I think, honestly, that's unlikely. They've they've been very interested. They've lost the battery tender, which meant they couldn't actually be in the series but now that Williams have got it for Gen 3 you know that opens up the possibility of them actually racing in the series but here's my question Pico my question is this where do McLaren go okay because let's say for argument's sake I expect Andretti the Andretti Autosport team to stay in Formula E despite losing BMW apt is a bit of a question mark because obviously they were in before the Audi sort of plug has been pulled. Do they stay? Do they go? Does that leave a um, a gap open? If that does, that leaves a gap open for McLaren to take and have their own team. But let's say, for argument's sake, App stay. You know, they say no. You're not. We're going to stay. We're going to build our own powertrain with Schaeffler. You know, we're happy to continue. Okay, and that still does actually work as some fallback for Audi. Even though Audi have left the series, Audi could probably still get that technology hilariously. But let's just say they stay. Then McLaren have to join the team. 
do McLaren want to join a team and join a team like Andretti that's already established? Or do they want to have their own team, do you think? And if there isn't a chance for them to have their own team, do you think that's why they can pull their plug and say, we're not actually going to join? I think Andretti is going to be the obvious option. Um, that's the because they because they've they, they've had a partnership in the past. Zach Brown, who owns McLaren, and Michael and Michael Andretti, who runs the Andretti um, team, uh, have a very good relationship. Um, there was a little bit of a breakdown a few years ago, but that was mainly over Alonso. Alonso's out of the picture now, and so uh, and uh, and Honda aren't involved in um in uh, Formula E. So I think uh, so I think that's that's fine from that's fine from uh, from a, from a McLaren and, and Andretti standpoint so it, so yeah it would make sense it would and i could see McLaren making Andretti the factory McLaren team but uh, uh, but at the same time i do think that McLaren would want to have their have their own team which would mean that one of the teams would have to go and i mean like we brought it up Many times over the last eight months or so, there is a rumor of teams leaving. But who knows? That might have been um, Audi or BMW, and that might have gone over my head. I've got no idea. Um, but um, but yeah, I think I think if McLaren do want to have a factory effort, um, they I think they're going to have to appeal to Andretti to make them become the McLaren Andretti team for for season nine. Uh, just to bring up that point there, so we said before that three teams were looking at investment. Obviously, one has gone because Venturi have brand new investors. So with that, you would assume now there's one team up for sale, who we don't know, and but we know it's not obviously like we know it's not Neo because that's been confirmed to us. Um, so and then you've got one team who also wants investment. Uh, who that is also we don't know but obviously we've made assumptions in the past of who it could be but obviously I think Audi leaving and BMW leaving were separate to um, those teams who wanted investment and wanted um, to leave but I have to agree with Pico um, for me if McLaren were to join Andretti seems like you know the, the smartest way to go there has been that partnership before with the IndyCar you know McLaren I think even with the McLaren Shadow Project I think it's you know there's some help from um Autosport, uh, the Andretti Autosport people there as well, I think. So, I think that kind of makes sense. But at the same time, I can see McLaren wanting maybe to do it by themselves. But I don't know if there's a need for McLaren to do it by themselves. Well, I think there might be, because it was interesting. If I look at the very end of McLaren's statement on their website, said basically, "Oh, we're going to spend a whole year." essentially sort of evaluating whether we're going to do it or not. It was a very odd sort of statement, the sort of you don't kind of you don't really expect the McLaren basically have signed an option for Gen 3 in season 9. Uh, so it's very it, it feels like we could back out but at the moment we're kind of interested. It seems to be the kind of tone that I got from it. Uh, and um, obviously there's so much that could happen. We've got we sort of season eight is sort of gearing up to be a kind of weird sort of transitional season because we've got Audi and BMW essentially leaving, and then we've got maybe McLaren coming in the season after, but we've sort of got that sort of holdover season in between, season seven being the last for BMW and Audi. So it's interesting because obviously the other question is what happens to a team like Virgin, who have got, you know, the Audi powertrain at the moment, 
are they just gonna carry on being developing a sort of stock what they're gonna use for gen 3 as their powertrain is is a big question mark for them uh, uh so i guess if you're arguing that andretti could they could part mclaren could partner up for andretti i think it's equally possible that virgin racing might be an option for them as well um as for we don't know uh how many teams are actually going to sign up to gen 3 we only know mahindra is going to be there for sure at the moment uh so it'll be interesting to see there are a lot of rumors about um jaguar and nissan uh, evaluating uh, their involvement uh continuing in the series which i think could be interesting going forward i i sort of hope they stick around in some shape or form we know alpine and lotus had a w- announcement uh of they were going to do a sort of partnership over several motorsport ventures including they mentioned formula e in that so it does make me wonder with renault alpine nissan all being part owned by the same group uh, how that's going to shake out essentially whether we're going to have nissan and alpine fighting against each other in formula e that could be very interesting but yeah um it was exciting to hear about mclaren's interest at the very least and, and a positive news story after so much uh, was made of Audi and Bielbeau leaving in such close uh, proximity to one another yeah uh, just to point out there it's not andretti actually who are currently running the mclaren team it's the schmidt peterson um uh Team yeah, actually. I think we were talking about the yeah, India but, entry from 2017. But I think, yeah, before there has been some more sport, but obviously the current entry is with the Smith-Peterson. So just to uh, dial back any confusion from that. You make a really interesting point, which I want to just bring up with the Gen 3, because um, we've spoken to a couple of team principals about Gen 3, and, you know, finances, Jack, still seem to be... Uh, the sort of the main sticking point and you know for the, these teams and you know a lot of work they've got till March to sort of come to an agreement but from team principals that we've spoken to at the moment uh, it seems like money is an issue and that return of investment so what we were talking about in prior, prior you know what is the return of investment which is very shady like none of the team principals that we've spoken to wanted really to say you know how much you know they were losing or making or if they were breaking even or what right you assume if they were making a profit though they tell you but the fact that they may be not making a profit or maybe don't want to tell you may may argue that you know they're just about breaking even or they are making a loss year on year and i think maybe finances and the way that the sport moves forward and and, and it's from a marketing side has become actually quite a major sticking point in in the, these Gen 3 negotiations with these manufacturers? Well, yeah, well, f- finance is always going to be an issue in motorsport. It always has been and it always will be. Motorsport is tremendously expensive and that's why you see pay drivers come in and uh, into other series. Thankfully, we haven't seen that many... I don't think we've seen that many, if any, pay drivers in um, in uh, Formula E, but... um. But uh, yeah, because it is a lot cheaper than other rating series that you know travel around the world annually. But um, but yeah, it's um, but yeah, finance will always be finance will always be an issue, and so they will always look for ways to for for the sport to be cheaper. Now I uh, now we know that there are going to be a few changes for when gen 3 comes in we know that testing is going to be down which will send uh pr- private testing that is not the three-day pre-season test so private testing that's that's going to be cut down to 10 days instead of 15 and so uh and so yeah it's um and and so yeah and, and i think that's all about cutting costs well it yes there's a competitive angle to that that they won't be able to do as much running but um 
but yeah um but yeah they to 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 you know like hire hire out a track do the testing and all that lot that 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 is all so so expensive and 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 developing and and developing these these powertrains as well that 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 comes into it as well there's driver salaries and everything like that and so yeah it's it's still still a very very expensive sport but um but uh, yeah they, they they are working away i don't think we'll see like a budget cap like formula one i will introduce from this or next year but um but yeah i do think that formula e, they're doing okay budget wise but they could be doing better there is some form of budget um cap in formula e i remember speaking to teams it's not like massively but there is some sort of you know you can't really spend more than this but it's very limited obviously on what areas they can develop on if that makes sense so and that's another thing that we spoke to the team principals are you happy with the roadmap and they seem to be happy with the roadmap um you know that of the way that formula is intending to move forward and they do think it is fast enough but from the outside it looks like it's not fast enough but you know maybe i think when we spoke to those team principals that they're keeping their their cards close to their chests on that one and maybe that's part of the finances well if we do this it's going to get way too expensive but if we don't do this, then there's no point in competing, if that makes sense. So, and I think there's one or two arguments there. So, boy, before we leave, because we're coming up to half hour point, let's talk about Formula E's new um, eSports series that have been launched. Ed, I know eSports and e-racing, and, and that is a big part for you. So, what do you make of the Formula E Accelerate program? Because, obviously, we had a week of qualifiers. Only three people could qualify, which I think put off a lot of people only having three people qualified it looks like 12 former e drivers who were interested in obviously doing it because the 12 ones obviously were rubbish and didn't want to do it uh clear like i don't want to waste my time doing this again and we've got this is what interests me you've got 12 drivers which are either chosen or you know invited by former e and like who could that be are they going to be esports people are they going to be actual drivers um from like younger series maybe f3 f4 f2 even maybe or you know world touring cars wec who knows right but um what was your take on the announcement of the formula e accelerate program overall i'm quite positive about it because i think it addresses a lot of the issues that i personally had with the previous attempt they did which was the race at home challenge uh, it's going to be six rounds uh, going from end of January through to March, I think, if I remember correctly. Very early March. I think 5th of March is the grand final, which is, it's again a double points thing. But I guess that's just to keep it sort of uh, competitive at the very end. And like I said, I've, I read it's going to be a sort of mix between um, sort of professional esports drivers and the real life guys who are doing just a couple of rounds this time. I think they're doing two sort of exhibition races that sort of count towards the total team score but the but it's not going to affect the obviously the drivers championship for the esports drivers which is going to be the main focus this time around which considering the difference in driver standards between the two i think is probably going to be a net positive um i think it's going to be in terms of the esports drivers obviously they have the three uh the qualifiers were headed by frederick rasmussen and the two who finished just behind him are going to effectively join him in the sort of pool of available drivers for the teams i have heard that there are going to be a couple of influence they formerly are trying to get some influences involved as well again so i'm not sure exactly who they'll go for because last time they went for sort of a, a bit of a mix they would sometimes go for like um people who like someone like uh, mike channel who 
was sort of very interested in motorsport and d- used to drive in it as well. I think real life Ginettas, I think he used to drive, uh, but he um, was more of a presenter for um, a YouTube channel called Outside Xbox. And so he was like probably the uh, beyond obviously the real live racing drivers they involved the next biggest influencer. So yeah, I'm not sure exactly what direction they'll go in that. But the big thing that I'm excited about really are the changes in the actual format. They're going to make the races 25 minutes long rather than just 15 laps long like they were before. And they're going to reintroduce, I think it was in the game already because I've seen Remco driving around with this on. They're going to introduce energy management where the battery will drain down. You can lift and coast to regen into corners. That's going to become a factor. So there's a real danger of drivers running out of usable energy before they hit the finish line. And the other thing is they're going to add a tech mode into the game, which I'm not sure. They've been working on it for at least a year since the end of Race at Home Challenge, so I'm hoping it won't be too buggy. And I think Studio 397 are usually very competent at um, making mods to their game. So uh, I'm, I'm feeling optimistic we won't see like a buggy attack mode where someone drives over it and then they're able to basically use full power for the rest of the race. So it'll only be for like the, however long it is. It's like a minute, isn't it, usually, or two minutes in Formula E. So yeah, it's going to be more realistic. There's going to be better driving standards. Um, there'll still be informally drivers involved in a sort of, but only the ones that want to be there. So you, of the 12, you shouldn't get too many stragglers. And they've got rid of the silly elimination format too, which I think was a, a big negative on uh, the race and challenge. So yeah, I'm lots to be optimistic about. One thing you said scared me, and you said influencers. And speaking it's to... It's a dirty word, isn't it? Um, Congratulations, well, I, Jack. You made the cut. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I've made the cut for an influencer, a big in, big time influencer. But no, what scared me about that was, and Pico will end on this, is last time we had influencers, and when when we, you know, you got top three qualifying, and then you're inviting people. You could be inviting some, you know, your Brendan Lees or you know some real top esports drivers. But if you are, you know, from the esport drivers that I've spoken to, and I've spoken to a couple. Some of them were put off by only three people because they were like, well, if they're inviting, who are they inviting? And that means the racing, we've, Ed says it could be clean, but if they invite influencers, the chances of the racing being clean is zilch because these influencers might will, will easily make mistakes, potentially. We've seen it in the F1 series. Some of them are good, but some of them obviously are not very quick and may make mistakes, especially in Formula E tracks where we'll be racing. And that put off a lot of influencers, a lot of esport racers from actually qualifying because they thought, well, if whoever they're inviting, if they're not proper racing people, then the racing is just going to be atrocious. So I might, I'm not even, even though there's a hundred thousand pounds up for grabs in this competition shared out between the positions, that it actually might, you know, they, they, they don't, they feel like, well, there's no chance of me winning it because if I'm taken out by an influencer, that's it, you know. What's he even doing here? Yeah, I yeah, I didn't I didn't really understand that until um uh, um until Ed explained it there. So cheers, Ed. Um, I I understand it I understand it a little bit more now. Uh, I I'm very happy that they've got rid of the um of the elimination format. It did feel like a modern day version of that qualifying format that F1 trialed a few years ago. Um, but uh, but uh, yeah, it's um. Yeah, um, yeah, it depends on the influence because I mean, like Mike, uh, Mike Channel, I still don't really know who he is or or or, or anything like that. If they get, uh, then the thing he wasn't like a big enough name to actually, um, to actually get involved. If 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 
if you know, I, I think I think they can give Lando a nudge because he did he did the IndyCar race last year. I think I think if they get Lando on board, then um, then yeah, I think well um, that could I happen with McLaren decent. being uh, yeah, McLaren <laughs> in Formula E, yeah, yeah. Well, the other thing I was thinking we is go, they've then. got Rosencrest in the IndyCar team. So. Yes, yes, very true. I think we well, yeah with with McLaren, Turvey Rosencrest in um in uh, Formula E. Um, yes, but um, yeah, but going back to Formula E Accelerate, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. It it does depend it does depend on what influence they get. They need, to, I think, they do need to be well known, um, uh, because they didn't really do a good job of that last year. Um, I I, I the the only influence that they got was that I knew was Charlie Martin, and so, um, and so yeah, I don't think they did um, uh. Uh, I don't think they did a great job last year. However, it sounds a lot more promising compared to what they did last year, and and so yeah, I'm, I will prefer it at least to what they did last year. But I mean that that's not hard to do. I didn't like race at home challenge at all. Fingers crossed. Then it is a bit better. Um, so boys, thank you so much for joining me um, on the show. It was good to get our first one done of the new year, and hopefully there'll be many more um, in the future. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to get familiar with uh, this format and listening to each other once more for a whole year. <laughs> no more. Please, no more. <laughs> Please, no more. End the show now. Just end it. Just end it now. Yes. Just end it. Um, fine, I will. Um, thank you so much uh, for watching the show, everybody, on YouTube and on the podcast apps. Um, your continued support has always been amazing, and it's great to see that the channel is growing, that the podcast is growing. Um, so we thank you all for listening. Um, please remember to... Um, you know, come to our YouTube page. We've got some really great content hopefully coming soon. Hopefully, if we are allowed to go to the season, um, we'll hopefully have some better content there. We have got a Discord channel. So if you want to come join the Discord, um, it is in the links below. Thank you so much for watching the FEZ Show. We'll see you soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.